welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and you're in the fatherhood. As a new member of the hood, my goal is to use this podcast as a platform to talk about my journey as a new father. Part therapeutic, part informative, part educational. My goal is to talk about everything, from adjusting to getting no sleep, to changing diapers, to just hoping I get everything right. This podcast will be a space to share with you the joys, challenges, and fears of being a first-time father. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 16 of the Fatherhood Podcast. As always, thank you for joining me. You know, I, I realize I haven't given an update on my life or, or Emery's, so I wanted to catch you guys up uh, before we dive into the episode and chop it up with today's guest. Two, two things are, are really standing out to me. One, how big he's getting, and two, how much he's talking. And and for parents, you you know, when I say talking, I'm talking about the babbling, the ooing and on, and, and just him really figuring out that his mouth makes noise. And it's really exciting to me to watch that progression over the past few weeks. It really started when he when he started daycare. It's just increased seemingly day by day and it's just very exciting to watch. So about a week ago, Emory's daycare was closed. So Sarisha had to make arrangements uh, for him to stay at home. And because it's easier for me to telework at the last minute, I volunteered. And Emory and I would spend the entire day together. And in between emails and conference calls, I was just doing my best to just keep him entertained and most importantly fed. And while the day was challenging at times, it really was fun. It was our first uh, father-son day and quite honestly, it was a very joyful day. And it showed me and in that those 10 hours that, that I was along with him before before Sharice came home, how important it is to establish and maintain a healthy relationship. Because that, that relationship, you know, starts now and it's going to continue uh, for the rest of his life. And Emory won't remember this day. He won't remember last week, but I definitely will. And and I'm praying that there will be many more days um, like that um, in the future. But it was special. It was, it was special to me to experience that day um, with him. And we took him to church for the first time on Sunday, this past Sunday. And it's something that um, I know I was hesitant to do, and I'm pretty sure Sharice wasn't well, because the church we go to, um, Zion and Landover, it's uh, it's very loud in there, and <laughs> it's not a place um, like your traditional, I guess, smaller church where uh, crying babies are the norm. So, you know, we, we have been hesitant to go, fortunately, and they have online services that we can kind of watch while at home. But, you know, actually taking Emory to, to church was a, was a big step. And going in, the, the the game plan was to um, sit on the back seat just in the event that he starts crying and fussing. I could uh, easily just go out the door to the lobby and and uh, deal with him and go to the bathroom and change him or whatever he needed at that time. But we were running a little late as as it's becoming the norm when, when having to get him and us ready. So we ended up in the, the section uh, those of you who are familiar with that church, right in the choir stand by the by the, the music ministry. And one, it was loud. So when we sat down, like, okay, this is going to be bad. And then two, if he had to, to go out, then I'll have to walk down in front of everybody with all eyes on, on me and this crying baby. And that's not something I was looking forward to at all. 
but but fortunately he he made it through the entire service without um fussing you know there were a couple of times where you know he's really just trying to figure out what was going on and it was a little, little uncomfortable i kept him in the my little carrier um ergo carrier the entire time and he really just slept so i don't know if if he was just shell shocked by you know all the noise or just really just kind of a lot of times when babies get stimulated they just shut it down but it, it was a good experience uh, not sure if we'll we'll do that Every, every Sunday while he's at that age. But getting that first trip to church um, out of the way was a big step for, for us and for him. And uh, it's just one of those things that, that you have to have to go through as a new parent. So things are going well. He, he is growing. He is developing. Uh, he is reading, reaching all his marks. And then we are excited um, for, for every day to, to come because we know that every day is going to bring something new uh, in his life and our lives uh, as parents. So let me take a little break and then we'll bring on today's guests and continue the discussion. I'm Jamar Hudson and this is The Fatherhood. As this podcast has continued to grow, it has been very rewarding for me to hear from fellow fathers along the way who can relate to some of the topics my guests and I have tackled so far. And it's been even more rewarding to actually connect with some of these fathers, to get to know them and learn about some of the great things they have going on and how, in their own way, they are championing the cause of fatherhood. And one of those dads is Mark Winkler. Mark and I connected a few weeks ago, and he's a really dynamic leader out on the West Coast, and I'm excited to have him on to share with you guys his story. So, Mark, welcome to The Fatherhood. Ah, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely, man. And like I said, it was outstanding con- to connect with you. We have never met, but we've been able to to exchange some some messages uh, via email and really get to know each other. And, and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. So, so Mark, just tell, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, first and foremost, they, they, they should know that I'm a dad or I probably wouldn't be on this podcast. <laughs> So I am a father. I'm a family man. I'm happily married. I uh, just celebrated my fourth year anniversary uh, recently. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. This past February, uh, I have three daughters, one biological, uh, two stepdaughters. And um, I, um, you know, in addition to that, I work with at-risk youth. And very recently, and we'll get into this later more, we, I start working with fathers as a as a component to the uh, organization that I have called Manhood Camp. So uh, I'm constantly working with people, if not in my home, in my professional life. <laughs> Outstanding, man. And and to in order to do that, you actually, you I'm sure you have to have a love for, for fatherhood. So tell, tell our listeners, Mark, what do you love most mm-hmm. about being a dad? It's a, it's an experience, man. It's a journey. I, before I was a father, I was the perennial uncle. I had mm. every year it seemed I became an uncle times another number. And that was cool. So I kind of resigned myself not to be a father. And then, and then without, and then all of a sudden I was a father, mm-hmm. right? And that was, it, it was just an undescribable feeling when I held my daughter for the first time in my arms. And it seems sort of cliche, right? You you hold your daughter and you get this feeling and and it's just a feeling of just pure love and and fear at the same time. Mm. Right? Love and fear. So the fear part was I have this awesome responsibility now. 
yeah. I remember I remember calling my brother, my older brother, and and talking to him about this because I needed to speak with someone who I can immediately reach out to and who was a father. By that time, he was a father three times over. So I reached out to him, Jamar, uh, and I was like, hey, man, look, I, he, he knew that my daughter was, was coming. Was, she was here. And I said, man, I'm just, I got this, this real anxiousness. I can't seem to, to shake, and, and I, I don't want that feeling mixed in with what's going on right now. And he said, just relish in both of them, man. Just don't worry. You're going to be okay. And those words just stuck with me. But it was instantly, man, I, I fell in love with my daughter. And I've been walking through the fear ever since. <laughs> I think all of us have that that uncle uh, figure in our lives that you talked about. And you were that mm-hmm. guy. And then you transitioned, you transitioned from, from that role uh, to, to fatherhood. So what, what surprised you once you became a father, having been an uncle in, in, in sort of a different role? And how did you adjust to that? Well, I think the biggest thing was that I just couldn't come over and uh, do a few few cool and things <laughs> and go home. Yeah, <laughs> you know, drop a few words of wisdom, a few coins here and there, and that's cool, Uncle Mark. You know, I came in like a movie star, sunglasses, and hey, that's Uncle Mark. And I saw my <laughs> my brother looking at me. Yeah, one day you're a dog. Just wait, huh? And just wait, yep. man. And so that was so that's the biggest thing. You can't just just up and leave. Yeah. Right. The child is there and you're there. So the biggest thing is just adjusting to this human being, this little person uh in your life. And there's this whole world of growth that is is gonna happen with your child and you are there for each moment of it, right? As a as a dad. So you had your brother in your life who had kids, as you, as you mentioned, and I'm curious, who else, Mark, um, did you did you draw influence on on how to be a father and some things you wanted to bring into your life once you became a dad? Who who influenced you? Well, I, it's it's funny. I, I I immediately go to my brother first mm-hmm. uh, because being closest to my brother, we grew up together, and and so I, I take a lot of cues from him. But my father, of course. Um, I learned a great deal from him. Uh, I had uncles who I watched go through things, you know, pretty, pretty challenging situations, um, both job, life, courts, uh, being separated from the children. So I learned a lot about resilience from these men. I learned a lot about love for, ch- for your child from these men. And, and so I would definitely say my father, my brother, and a couple of uncles in particular that I'm thinking about. You, you are a father, Mark, biologically, and your stepfather via, via marriage, and that, that presents a lot, lot of variables to you, to your fatherhood situation. So talk to me a little bit about how do you effectively, one, co-parent, and, and what is your approach to being a stepfather? How do those two intertwine? Well, it's as a, as a biological father, you are able to parent freely. Right. You don't have to be concerned about how well you, you have to be concerned. I, mean, I don't want to just misinterpret what a, what a biological father is. But but a biological father versus a stepfather for me as a stepfather, I'm fully cognizant of the fact that I am not their biological father. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I have to have a great and strong partnership with their mother. Right. And for me, that means that when I'm feeling a certain way, 
right? As a father, I may express that right away to my child, right? Not in, yeah. a, not in a harmful or, or, or violent way, but just like, hey, this, this is what I'm feeling. This is what you did. This is what I'm feeling, right? And so I have to, I have to sort of check myself before I do that because I don't want that message or those words misinterpreted as I'm giving you some sort of parental moment here. I'm not imprisoned to, to, to this, to this, if, if you will, but I do have to, I find myself going to my wife and say, Hey, look, this is what I'm feeling. Let's talk about how I should interpret these feelings to the girls, as we call them, my, my two stepdaughters. And that way it gives me an opportunity because my, my, my wife has a certain way that she's raised her daughters. And I want to make certain that I am in alignment with that. First and secondly, I want to make sure that I bounce these thoughts off of her because she has a really good gauge on what her how her daughter is going to feel about these things. So, Mark, in, in that stepfather dynamic, um, I want to talk a little bit mm-hmm. about trust. How did you build trust with with your wife's uh, kids, and and how did that all co- come to be? Well, I think the trust part is 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 ever evolving, right? I think one I established early on that I, I understand my role and my role is not as their father. I, mm-hmm. I, I took opportunity to speak to the father on two or three different occasions to let him know, you know, how I wanted to partner with him, if you will, to make certain that, you know, I'm in alignment with what he would want as a father. If he was, if he was over here, um, and, and I, and I made certain that the, that the, the girls, my stepdaughters, they were aware of these conversations and they were aware of uh, very, very keenly aware that I was not trying to overstep my role. For me, that's very big because, it, because it's, it's hard when you're a biological father to not transcend that, right? To, to not step over those boundaries. And so you have to be very conscious of what you're saying, what you're doing. And I think it's been maybe three or f- about four years now that I've been in their life and it's not perfect. I'm going to sit up and say everything yeah. is perfect because one, they're teenagers now. So that dynamic has come into play. And so I have to, I have to be ever vigilant about how I interact with them. I have to be vigilant about not allowing my ego to get in the way when I am saying something or I'm, I, I'm asking them to do something, and and they and they give a counter thought to what <laughs> what what should happen, and so I have to I have to pace myself right in terms of conversations with them. But I think the trust part has come in because I've taken the time I I you know made certain to figure out what their interests were. And I helped to, you know, facilitate certain things that they like. And, and they saw that. They saw me actually taking the time to, to do that and to really take interest in what they were doing. So they saw this person who was in their life, not by their choice, right? They would have wanted their father and mother to stay together. And I right. know this because they have told me this, right? So that's not a thought. That's like a theory. And so, so I, I understand that. And that's natural, uh, for many uh, parents, for many children, even children who've come out of situations where their mother and father were in very turbulent situations. So I, I, I'm very cognizant of my role in not crossing boundaries. And I think they've come to appreciate that, even though they haven't said it. 
And that may be something I may not hear until years later, man, mm. until, until I've come to see one of them in the hospital giving birth, maybe. I go, by the way, man, you did a good job, you know? So how, how has, you know, stepping into that role as stepfather, how has that helped you a- as a father overall to your daughter and just in general? Because I think that it allows me to be cognizant of what I say to my own daughter. Right. So because I by me watching what I'm saying to my stepdaughter so closely, I'm also aware for a different reason with my daughter that I equally need to be cognizant of what I say to her because I'm modeling now how she uh, the way people the way a, a man should speak to her. Right. right. And so I don't want her to say well, I'm used to, you know, a man speaking abrasively to me when, when that person gets upset because, hell, that's what my dad did. So it's, it's, it's allowed me to be aware, be keenly aware of how I speak to my daughter. That, that's one of the ways I can think about. Absolutely. Uh, Mark Winkler is joining me on the Fatherhood Podcast today. And Mark, one of the things that um, caught my eye when we were introduced to each other was your your involvement in, in Manhood Camp. So tell mm-hmm. our listeners about that and who or what inspired you to create that program. Well, it was my good friend who is my partner, Trayvon Tillis. He came to me with the idea. He said, hey, look, I'm starting up this uh, this program. And uh, I want to work with at-risk youth. Now, I had I'd been doing that in some capacity uh, when I lived in New York and even when I got out here. But uh, the way he brought this to me, the way it was, he was structured, we were going to be a mobile operation going from schools to different organizations with our 10-point program. And I was just excited about it, man, because I really do feel like everyone should connect to a purpose in life. And for some reason, just over the years, I've gravitated towards working with youth and being excited about seeing them learn and be excited about them discovering their own passions and their own talents. And so for me, that was a natural marriage. And so I just we just got going. And the first place we went with it was a a school out here in California called uh, James Monroe. And we were given some of the children who were considered most incorrigible <laughs> yeah. and the, uh, the, the disciplinary in there, uh, I think it was, uh, they call her Miss A. She was like, look, we don't know what's going to happen. These kids, you know, they, they get bounced from class to class. And we, and by the third week she came in and said, I'm, I'm amazed at what I'm seeing. And she said, they're, they're just attentive and they're listening. And she said, well, what are you guys doing? I said, oh, it's not magic, uh, Miss A. <laughs> we're just talking to them and we're listening to them and we're incorporating their ideas and we're helping them to understand, you know, the, the pitfalls to that and the challenges, but the rewards. And it was an interaction. And that's what we try to do. We try to interact. We don't try to come in and teach them or just preach to them. We say, hey, look, you know, you are a creative being. How can we facilitate that? And I think that's been the formula of success that we've had with the program. So how long has the program been in place? It's been in place, uh, I would say, about 2008, 2009 okay. we established. Mm-hmm. So about 10 years, 10 years? About, about 10 years. So what has been the response uh, from, from the kids? Like, What type of feedback have you gotten over the years? 
Well, I mean, it's it's been I think it's been overall positive. Um, I can't really think of any negative responses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had challenging moments within the context of a of a cycle that we've worked with, but in general, we've had you know children come back and young men now this they thank us for you know sticking with them for coming and just being there it's not rocket science right what we do we come there we represent these ideas and and we help them to expose them to different things and i think that in, i think that they appreciate the consistency that's that's one of the things that i've gotten most from from when they come back or they send an email or 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 they may you know, come back and visit the program when they find out, you know, where we are. Cause again, we're mobile and they say, Hey, look, I just appreciate you guys coming back each week. So as part of this program, uh, manhood mm-hmm. camp, the fatherhood circle was developing. It's, it's a supportive mm-hmm. forum where, where parents and fathers can, can share ideas and strategies. Tell us about that. Well, at a certain point, about a year and a half ago, you know, cause we had, in with within manhood camp, we work with the with the with the mother and fathers, but it's it, it's not an intense thing. We have them come in in the beginning of the program, and then there's a there's a middle stage where they come in. We do a little bit more work, and then there's an outro where they come and see like the the certificate of of a completion that we do, and and that's a and that's 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 a celebratory moment between the parents. But we decided we needed more work with the fathers particularly, and so we started uh, the fatherhood circle. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I got a facility out here in uh, Los Angeles to donate the space for us on a monthly basis. We're looking to do it every other week, but right now it's on a monthly basis. And that is a that's a moment where fathers can come in and just talk to yeah. other fathers. Just say, hey, look, this is what I'm experiencing as a father. This is what uh, my challenges, my joys. You know, what? how do you feel about that? W- w- you got any thoughts, any strategies, any ideas? And it's not a mandated program, right? And so it's not a program where they feel they have to be there and they have to say certain things. Now, when I was going through a moment where I was going through a custody situation, I needed some place to talk to. And so some place where I can go and talk. So I found a couple of programs, one uh, program out here in LA. And I, I, it was cathartic for me because, you know, it was just great to be around fathers, but it was a mandated program. So I noticed a lot of reticence from fathers, you know, not really wanting to fully emote, fully mm. express but it, with us, you know, that barrier is not there. And it's, and it's just great more to really see the fathers come in. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of joyful moments, a lot of joking, you know, silly dad jokes, you know, talk of sports. But then there's real talk about, you know, I'm feeling isolated from my daughter now. Yeah. You know, she's a teen now and I'm no longer, you know, hey, I'm no longer the king in her eye or the prince in her eye. You know, and that hurts me. And then, and so there's a moment of the father crying, and then another father come home, puts his arm around him, and he's there for him, man. And it's cathartic to see that. that that's a great thing, man, because mm-hmm. we as men, especially black men, sometimes we're not mm-hmm. willing to be as open and emotional about uh, some of those sensitive topics that, that are eating us up mm-hmm. on the inside. So you're providing a forum mm-hmm. for, uh, to allow for men to, to come and be vulnerable, be open about their feelings. So, Mark, why do you think we aren't open mm-hmm. uh, about those feelings, especially <laughs> being, being fathers? Well, I mean, look, it's it's societal, really. It is a, we get a, we we we've been raised as men, right? We've been raised to have a certain position in life, and that position is the rock. And rocks mm. don't cry, right? <laughs> a rock yeah. is hard, and so we, for better or for worse, worse, we hold on to those 
really those false ideas, right? and, they're, and they're detrimental, at, you know, really. And I think I am seeing that this this new generation that's coming up. I'm Generation X. I'm seeing, you know, millennials coming and they're challenging those those ideas to a degree, not fully, yeah. right? But I think that we we're, we're taught by society that men behave this way, and we sh- we have to stay in that box, right? Uh, I, I there's a there's a book that I'm reading by um, Devon Franklin called The Truth About Men. And he talks about men being in in a box, right? And this box is this solid wall around them, where they they the, all the all the sides of the wall are teachings and lessons of what how how they were taught by their fathers and their grandfathers. And it's hard to break out of that, man, because if you break out of that, the question is, what are you breaking into? Hmm. <laughs> what that once you're free, then then what? Are you a man if if, if you cry? And 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 can you teach your son to be strong in the face of other men if you teach them that it's okay to show their emotions? And so I'm, you know, and when the fatherhood circle, I say to the fathers that it's absolutely a a a strong feature. It's a strong thing if you can teach your child to be vulnerable and to show their vulnerability in with people who will not take advantage of that right and that's normally people close to them i'm in that i'm in that generation you're talking about the generation after you and i'll say mm-hmm. what, what's helped me and in, in my four or five months as a father is having that village of, of other guys um friends mm-hmm. i'm with guys i'm with the school with who have gone who are going through the same thing now or have gone through it uh in recent years and that has really helped me and given me a support system um to to just mm. bounce some things off of uh when i'm going through uh, some struggles as, as a new dad. Um, so in, mm-hmm. in your space, how do you, what's your approach to getting some of the fathers who are coming to, to your program to open up? Like what methods are you using to really uh, get them to, re- to reveal some of the struggles they're having? I, I rely a lot on the people who are, who are come frequently and they get to see men who would not necessarily look like they would open up. Right. I'm talking to guys who are kind of hardcore looking <laughs> yeah. and, and they see that those guys feel safe opening up. I don't I don't pressure anyone. It's kind of like an AA meeting, man. <laughs> I, yeah. don't, I don't I don't pressure anyone to open up. I don't say uh, you you're new, man. You look like you don't cry at all, man. Show me some tears. No, no, man. It's, it's none of that. We and so I think I think the environment we create around, especially the new fathers as they're coming in, the environment that we create around them, they, they start to feel safe and they start mm-hmm. to feel like it's okay if I express myself. And then when you see, man, a father, because we got, you know, brother who comes there, man, he was a, you know, he was, he was out there in, in, his, in his former life. And so, he, you know, he has a couple of tats here and there. And you see him when he talks about his daughter, I think she's about 10 or 11, and he's tearing up. He's starting to cry because of that thing I talked about, about, you know, how he used to take her to the park and, and she was, he was the, the center of her universe, but now she's starting to challenge him on a lot of things. And she wants to stare on her phone. And, and this, and this, he's, when he spoke about it, it, it was from a very vulnerable and hurt place. And, and, um, you know, and, and the other fathers and new fathers, they saw that, man. So I think what happened is that gave them permission 
right? An unstated permission for them to bring to the floor and to the, into the group, into the atmosphere, that same energy. So, Mark, you, you've made a conscious effort to be a positive role mo- model out there in the L.A. community um, mm-hmm. with Manhood Camp, with the Fatherhood Circle, in, in helping other fathers uh, in various uh, situations that they deal with. So, in doing mm-hmm. so, how has all that helped you as a dad? <laughs> well, it, it's, it's helped me because it's allowed me to learn a lot um, from other fathers. Um, it's taught me because I learned a lot from the fathers, the mothers that I work with, because, you know, with the manhood camp, we work with both the parents, specifically with the mm-hmm. father circle, it's the fathers. But it's it's allowed me to, you know, learn and grow and to receive information that I would not necessarily have received if I was not doing this, right? And it, And it's allowed me to bounce off ideas about, hey, hey, this works, this doesn't work. And it's it's preparing me for those, for that next phase of fatherhood I'm about to go into, right? Because I myself, I am entering into that phase where my daughter is going to be 12 pretty soon. And I can Mm -hmm. see the rumblings already, (laughs) you know, daddy, no, this, this, and this. (laughs) And and so I'm, I'm hearing from fathers, you know, sort of how they dealt with it, you know, and one, and someone said something, I can't remember when or who said it, but it was like, you, you can't, you can't keep that image of your daughter frozen in your mind during the hard times, like when she was yeah. six or five, because what that'll do is it won't allow you to see who's in front of you, right? Yeah. And because yeah. who's in front of you is not that five-year-old person anymore. And so you have to grow as she's growing and you have to be open to the ideas and the, and the energy that she's bringing right now. And you can't try and, you know, put her in that mode of, well, when I said, do this, do this, I didn't get any, you know, I didn't get any back talk from you. So why now? Because now she has thoughts and ideas she didn't have five years ago. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. want to, as you want to, as a father, you want to be able to facilitate those ideas. You want to be able to grow and give her an unstated permission to feel and think those things and not let, and not let her think that anyone can diminish her in those moments. You know, Mark, to, to that point, you talk a lot uh, about emotional development and self-awareness, mm-hmm. having that mm-hmm. um, that awareness of your kids and how it's important to build relationships with them at an early age that, that continues as they grow. Uh, how do we as fathers uh, achieve that goal? I think it's about staying connected. I think it's about being present. I think we have to be deliberate and intentional and the time with them. Uh, we can't just say we're spending time with them. If we're on the couch watching television and they're putting they're on the phone, mm-hmm. right? We have to interact with them. We have to engage with them uh, from a uh, appropriate developmental stage. Uh, if it's going outside and playing, you know, kickball with them or taking them to the park, or when they start to get fully and really engaged in video games, go in the room knock on the door, sit down with them and say, hey, what is this? Let me watch it with you. And then talk to them about it. That's an opportunity yeah. to learn what they're doing, to, to to see what they're doing, to see what they're watching, right? What are they absorbing in their consciousness? But it's also a moment of bonding, right? And they're mm-hmm. saying that, hey, I see my dad is interested in what I'm doing. I I watch, you know, my daughter loves to play that, that game Granny and she watches 
you know, different people have like different scenarios and they manipulate the game and they have like uh, episodes with it. I think I've seen maybe 50 of them now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And so, but each time I sit with her, I get a chance to talk with her and, and, and I can, I get a chance to see, because we don't just talk about the game. The conversation goes someplace else as well. Now that's an opportunity I would not have had if I didn't go in the room or if I forced her to come out and do something she didn't want to do. Right. Yeah. And so I'm learning now that, you know, I have to be and from from then, if you're a young father, you got to be present to now. How have those conversations changed? You, know, you, you said your daughter's coming up on 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how are those conversations changing for you now? Well, I'm <laughs> they're changing because she's becoming more conscious of the world. Right. Mm-hmm. She's being more conscious of what's going around her, the children, everyone in her class, most of them have phones. And so they are exposed to the social media and the internet. And so those, I can see those conversations and those, and and those, and that, and those ideas creeping in. And I have to be very careful not to make her feel that she can't talk to me about those things or maybe embarrassed to talk to me about those things. I have to give her permission and say, and by saying, Hey, look, you know, what's, uh, what's going on to tell me about what's the latest, what, what are you learning in school? Or what are you guys talking about? What's, what's, what are your friends talking about? And she'll say something like, well, you know, they're talking about, uh, you know, dating or something like that. Or I'm just using it as an example. And as a father, I can't, you know, have an emotional reaction or let her see me have one anyway i have to stay in the moment and stay engaged and allow her to just talk to me because if she can see me as a person that she can have a fluid sort of non-judgmental conversation with when i really need her to come to come to me and have these conversations like if she's in a a, a situation god forbid with some someone who she's in a relationship that's hurting her she can remember, you know, those times that when I talked to my father, I never felt judged. I never felt ashamed. And I can come to him now. Uh, you know, Mark, on your Instagram page, uh, I encourage everyone to follow it at fatherhood underscore circle. You, you, you post a lot of quotes that, that, that have caught my eye and made me, given me a lot of things to think about. Um, but one of the ones that really stood out to me was access your parental joy. Um, mm-hmm. That stood out to me. So ex- explain that and and how do we achieve that? What exactly is parental joy? Well, I'm going to have to give you know, a nod to my wife on that. Okay. <laughs> uh, she is a marriage and family therapist, Thea Monier, and she's talking about accessing your joy in general. Mm. And so that got me thinking, you know, am I accessing my parental joy? Right. And for me, that is, am I being present? Am I really enjoying what I am doing as a father in those moments when I'm making my daughter lunch or when I'm walking with my daughter? Am I thinking about I'm just out here because this is a routine that we do and I just want her to know that I love her. So even though I don't want to walk, am I out here or am I looking around and and looking at her smile, looking at her, you know, look at the, the, the trees and enjoying that moment? So it's each moment, man. So it's about accessing it's about allowing yourself to, to be joyful about being a parent. But it's tough sometimes, Mark. And I know you, you touch on this in, in your in fatherhood circle, but it's tough. man. In, in those tough times, mm-hmm. how do we still you know, achieve that and, and feel like it's joyful? 
Well, I think that's the that's the goal, right? I mean, no one no one can ever say that you're always going to do that, right? I think that's yeah. where the practice of it comes in. That's why that's where you have to have a conscious awareness of the fact that you need to do it, right? Because it 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 will buoy you through those rough moments with your child or as a as a parent. It gets you through that because you're 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 keenly aware of I enjoy being a parent. I enjoy my contribution towards making this person the best human being that they can be. From the food that I give her, I enjoy going shopping and getting, you know, even when I don't feel like going food shopping, man, I have to remind myself that I am contributing towards my child getting a healthy diet and I have to take joy in it. It may not be the kind of joy you get going to see a a comedian show. I'm not going to sit up and say it's that <laughs> level, it's that type of joy, but it has to be a joyful thing. Well, man, look, you um, you are obviously doing some great work out there in the Los Angeles community with with Manhood Camp and the Fatherhood Circle, but everyone is not that fortunate, man. So I'm, I'm curious, what advice would you give to some fathers who are struggling to to cultivate a community of dads that can provide that support system, that can you know have someone to to lean on uh, during the process? I would say that it's important that you find your own circle, your own tribe, right? There's friends around you who you may not feel you can access or go to. And they are, you know, first or first and foremost, I would say, fine. If it's fine, as many fathers as you can, positive thinking fathers, and then mm-hmm. find positive thinking men in general, just to be around. And even if you don't, you know, go to a, a, a scheduled meeting, just have this, access those 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 gentlemen access those guys when you need them and as much as you can you know have them gather because the energy of of a, of a men gathered in a room talking positive is is amazing it's an amazing cathartic thing so as much as you can just form your own circle it doesn't have to be anything formalized man just send out a message hey look we're going to have some guy time, man. Just come on over. We're just going to talk about some things. I just, you know, I just want to share. And that and that requires a little vulnerability, right? It does. <laughs> but I believe that if you do it, you'll find that if the father doesn't, it takes that step. I believe he's going to find guys who want to be a part of that circle. I want to thank Mark Winkler for joining me on the podcast today. And as always, thank you for listening. We had some slight technical difficulties at the end of my recording with Mark, so I wanted to make sure I let you guys know um, how to get in touch with him. Uh, you can find Mark's uh, program, The Fatherhood Circle, on IG at the Fatherhood underscore circle, and you can check out Manhood Camp at www.manhoodcamp.org. So if you want to get involved with what he has going on, just be sure to connect with him, especially if you're in the L.A. Uh, area. That would be great to kind of tap into the network that he's building out here. As always, you can find the show on social media at The Fatherhood Podcast on IG. On Facebook, you can like The Fatherhood Podcast page. And you, always, you can catch me on my personal uh, pages at Jamar Hudson on IG and Twitter. As you should know by now, the podcast drops every Saturday and can be found on all your major streaming platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, and TuneIn. And always, if you're listening to on iTunes, uh, be sure to drop a rating and review. Until next time, you guys have a great week. I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is The Fatherhood.